Welcome to Triggered, and I'm excited about tonight's episode. We're joined by Florida Congressman Byron Donalds, and I've been wanting to interview him for quite some time. Just a great guy, doing real things, pushing the boundaries uh, as a newer congressman. Uh, so this interview should be awesome. Congressman Donalds is one of the rising Republican stars in Congress. He's a true fighter and America first patriot. He represents Florida's 19th congressional district. He was a businessman before getting into Congress, unlike all the perma bureaucrats that never seem to be able to get anything done and don't understand how real things work because they've never actually functioned in the real world. And more importantly, he's just an all around good dude. So make sure you check this one out. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this content so that other people can see it. It's really simple. Just hit the little button right there. Make sure we get the message out. It's all of you who make this show possible, along with our incredible sponsors. So I got to thank them as well. And it takes guts, again, to support a show like this. So make sure to check out the folks at Gold Co. and take the steps needed to diversify your portfolio. Between rising interest rates, inflation, reckless spending, stupidity in office, people who are perma-bureaucrats who've never actually done anything, there are all reasons why you need to be prepared and owning tangible physical inflation hedging gold and silver can help secure and stabilize your portfolio. So Gold Co. has top-notch customer service. They'll answer all of your questions. We're not just saying, hey, go do this. Speak to them. Learn. They can walk you through the whole process and support the companies who support you instead of the woke companies who hate your guts. Go to donjuniorgold.com to learn more. That's D-O-N-J-R-G-O-L-D.com to learn more. And guys, be sure to check out My Patriot Supply. As you know, our world can change at a moment's notice. And as I keep saying, the signs of an economic collapse are staring us right in the face. With that comes other problems. And I just want you to be prepared and invest in your family's food security in case of an emergency. If you live in places like I do that are susceptible to hurricanes down here in Florida, also makes a lot of sense. So be prepared right now when you go to preparewithdonjr.com, My Patriot Supply is offering a huge discount on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. For a limited time, you'll save 25% per kit. That's the biggest discount they offer, but it doesn't come along every day and it won't last long. So guys, do yourself a favor and grab your 25% discount on each three-month emergency food kit you need. It includes delicious breakfast, lunches, and dinners, and more, providing over 2,000 calories every day. Get at least one kit per person in your family. Grab your 25% discount today before this offer expires, and you get fast and free shipping too. So go to preparewithdonjr.com today, or you may regret it tomorrow. That's P-R-E-P-A-R-E, with donjr.com and check it out. It's always interesting when the cameras go live. Mm. You just realize that this thing can all come crashing down it, at about it can, five It can minutes. all go. You know, listen. <laughs> well, with, with that, I think we leave that in there because I think it's it, right, intro? guys. We're here with Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we've seen some of that. I mean, we saw yeah. some of that uh, last week. Now, uh, in uh, the presidential debates with Tucker Carlson, where it felt like, the cameras went on, questions were asked, and careers were ended in, in seconds. Listen, I got to tell you, in politics, the, most, the funniest thing has come through 
what I think has been a, the, a true renaissance in media. Not big media, because they're a joke and they're a mess. I'm talking about all the different outlets, all the different uh, voices. Tucker mm -hmm. is the most prominent of them all, but you got Joe Rogan, who's in this podcasting yeah. space where he's so dominant, and so many people listen to him because He's not politics, he's not news, he's, he's culture, he's life. It's interesting, people want to consume Yeah, and he's it. questioning both sides. Yes. You know, the dogma of, of both sides. You know, obviously from where I stand, I'm perhaps more one way on that than others, but I think yeah. it's, it's actually still important to have that dialogue. And that feels like it's missing everywhere. I mean, it's missing in academia, yeah. it's, it's missing in politics until recently because of guys like that, yes. because of alternate sources. I mean, you see it sort of with, you know, even the mentality, kind of uni-party mentality of, you know, yeah. mainstream conservative. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll go somewhere, but we're not going to go there, but let's, let's have that conversation. So how do you think that's changing? I think it's changing because there's just way more authenticity coming into politics. I think you're having a, a, a breed of, of individuals who have done something in the world. They, they, were, they mm -hmm. failed, they won, yep. whatever, and they look at the country and they say, I'm going in. I think the second thing is they're not trying to go in forever. And I think that's a, that's a very important that's thing huge. because, look, I, I'm going to talk about me for a moment. I've told my district, look, you got 10 years out of me. However this thing works, however the ride goes, yeah. don't know, can't, you can't predict politics. And I get it, people all have their visions of the future and what they, want, what, they, what, what they want to see me do or whatever, but you can't predict politics. You do your job, you see what's in front of you, you, you climb that hill and you try to conquer it. You have more mindsets like that in, in Congress and in politics now than what it used to be of, I want to go, I want to be a committee chair, I want to be a speaker, I want to yeah. do this, I want to do that. And then I'll that. sit there for the rest of my life. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Till dementia kicks in and that won't stop me from leaving. Yeah, I think that's changing and I think it's, it's the best thing for the country. And I think so also- how, what is, what's your story? I mean, you came from Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, you're a congressman in Florida. Now. So how did that happen? Oh man, sometimes I don't even know how it happened. Look, I was, look, I was a city kid, we were poor, my mom stressed education. I loved baseball first, I loved basketball, became my love. I'm still a basketball junkie, loved the game. Um, my grades were, were good, I got accepted to a bunch of different colleges. I chose Florida A&M, which was in Tallahassee. That's how I lived, got from New York yeah. to Florida. Um, had too much fun at Florida A&M. Uh, <laughs> it was a great time, and I transferred to Florida State, finished my degrees at Florida State. You know, met a girl, ended up marrying her. We've been married. That, that was years. your boss that we, we heard from. She's earlier? kind of always been the boss. No, yeah, like, I, 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 I saw that. It was like you got to sit up a little straighter, and then I noticed once she left the room, you got a little bit more relaxed. And <laughs> <laughs> this happens a lot, actually. But was, you know, it's twenty three years. Hey, uh, Kimberly is a spicy Puerto Rican woman. I do what she says as well, so I understand. Well, I mean, that's because you're a good man. I'm, I'm good, not willing to man. risk my life over the way I'm sitting. Or it does feel like risking it. It. It's not even, yeah. It does feel like that. But anyway, so, you know, got down, you know, she moved to Bonita Springs with her mom, and I went to visit. I'm a, I'm a guy, finance degree. 9-11 had just happened. Mm -hmm. So my choices were go back home and try to figure out yeah. my career in the aftermath of 9-11 or yeah. go down here. Where there was a lot of uncertainty houses. up there. I mean, I, there was a lot of I mean, uncertainty. I, I literally, I moved, I graduated from Morton in 2000. You know, moved to Colorado to be a bartender, which was an incredible story to you know, try to explain that one to my father. That was less than awesome. We might have to uh, expound on that yeah, one we, off we're, camera. We'll, a, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll into that. You know, did that, and you know, I, I found out about 9-11. Yeah. I was coming out of the woods like elk hunting, yeah. and I was like, I saw some idiot like crashed a Cessna into, you know, the, the Twin yeah. Towers, and I was like, and then it all happened, and like, right. I would, I started packing my car and, and drove home. Uh, you know, that was it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, crazy times, but you just didn't know where it was going. 
No, you didn't. And so I just made a choice. And I, I, I dropped her off at her office in Naples. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of banks and brokerage houses here. Um, I'm young. I think everybody here is a lot older than me. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll come here and get started. And that was the decision. We got married. We started having kids. We're you know, just in business. Mm -hmm. Politics came later. It, this was during the financial collapse. Yeah. Because I'm a guy who's in the financial business. I was in banking. Then I'm in insurance. I'm in seven, eight years at this point. Yeah. The financial collapse is starting. My my, my, the owners of my company trying to figure out like what's going on. They tasked me to do it. I started watching congressional hearings for the first time in my life. Uh, but okay, I'm actually so glad we're going here because yes. th this yes. was like the formation of a lot of my yes. sort of political leanings. So I watched those same, you know, I watched the, the testimonies and I watched people in Congress in positions like you have now yes. that did not understand the first thing about business or banking or how loans work. It was just like, it was like a soundbite for Twitter. It's like, you know, I think it was Diane Feinstein or maybe it was Maxine Waters questioning Lloyd Blankfein about how many home loans he made. I was like, well, it's just not what Goldman Sachs does. It's different, but 100%. it didn't matter. It's like, oh, so you don't know. I got you. It's like, like you're, I'm testifying before you. You don't even know what I do? Like, what do you, like, what do you mean? Well, let me just tell you, Maxine hasn't changed. That, that's <laughs> no, still the same way but how way does she become questions. the head of, like, a finance committee? Because Meaning, you're a banker. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. You saw the fall of, what was it, that bank out west, uh, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the woke bank that yeah, collapsed, yeah. and it was like, well, we have an improv actor on our board, we have this on our board, we had, you know, we had everything except for like bankers, and we're shocked, <laughs> you know, we're like you're shocked. Like, why that is they, this like, blowing up? Yeah, like I mean, it's great to have an improv actor. I don't know what right. they know about banking, and you're going to be on the board of a bank. I think they had one banker of like a 15 member board. Yeah. Uh, but how can Congress function that same way, where these people are making, you know, trillion dollar decisions? Mm -hmm. without an understanding of even the basics. I mean, they couldn't explain to you how a mortgage worked, let alone, you know, the more sophisticated That's stuff. That's the thing that frustrated me, because mm -hmm. I was not a, I was not a, poli I was not, never a political person until this point mm -hmm. in my life. Didn't really watch the news. I watched a little bit, but they didn't, like, follow it day in, day out. I was, a, frankly, a normal person in America. Yeah. I got kids. I like sports. I'm coaching. I got a job. I'm trying to live in my career, do all that kind of stuff, right? I turned these hearings on like you did. And I'm like, who are these people? Yeah. They're running the country. No wonder this thing isn't working. And so as, as I started watching those hearings and putting this information together, it really just pissed me off. And that's what got me looking at politics and what was going on in the country. Mm -hmm. Then I turned on cable news looking for answers. And I got more mad because everything was just mm -hmm. talking point, dogma, surface level stuff. You never got the real meat of, of what's mm -hmm. going on in the issue. And it really caused me to start just trying to understand political theory. So like reading like Locke and Montesquieu, and I got I went way into the weeds on that stuff. Yeah. But it was healthy, it was good, because I tried to I started to learn and understand politics mm -hmm. and the actual purpose of government and understanding like real basis in macroeconomic theory. And, and because I'm an economics guy, I'm a finance guy, knowing how a market system is supposed to function really led my politics. Like my politics yeah. came from my economics. And then the rest just ran downhill. Well, you seem to drive people on the left crazy because... It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, listen, I, <laughs> I, I... Hey, I was a real estate developer from New York City. Yeah. You know, I I, I was I had my beliefs. I was always conservative. I was always a big 2A yeah. guy. Like, these are the things that I did. But, like, I didn't wear that on my sleeve in New York City because I understand there's a consequence to that. Yeah. You know, my first political fundraiser was for Andrew Cuomo. Not because I'm a Democrat, but because he was running for attorney general. Yeah. He was going to win. And, like, if you're a real estate developer, that's the guy that signs your offering plan that allows you to sign it. So if you could have him, 
you know, working against you and take right. years to get something done, or you could, you know, have a relationship. And it has nothing to do with politics. It was about business. Yeah, it's business. It's exactly uh, what it is. You so, described it right. So that, but, I mean, you, obviously, because of the background, coming from you know, a black man from Crown Heights, Brooklyn, as a Republican. Yeah. You seem to bring an extra level of hate because you're not allowed to do that. Well, it's funny. What, what's the, that been like? Well, I don't really mind it. I actually kind of enjoy it because... Um, and I enjoy pissing them off. I think that's just a byproduct. Mm -hmm. For me, it's about just telling the truth about, about what's actually happening and not being afraid of that. You know, I grew up, when I was 16, I was held up at gunpoint, mm -hmm. right? When that happens, somebody talking about you on Twitter just doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> it changes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I'm going to do the thing I think is important. If, if, if this is the way the system is supposed to work, I'm going to advocate for that. If Democrat policy is stupid, and by the way, it is stupid, um, I'm going to advocate against it. And I'm not going to be afraid to, to speak that because I think the country needs to hear those alternative voices. And they need to hear those thought processes that don't line up with mainstream political foolishness, which has really hurt our country. I think that, you know, being black, that's just because the Democrats understand that if there's more black men that start to take a position politically that is my position, they can't win elections. It's Talk over about that a little them. bit because, I, you know, again, I, I don't know that we've seen it yeah. necessarily translate out, and yet you see all these viral clips of, mm. you know, guys in, from some of those communities. Yeah. They're like, bring back Trump. Because, like, oh, yeah. hey, man, I get I don't pretend I don't understand where I'm from. I'm very self-aware. Like, I get it. I'm the son of a billionaire from New York City. But, like, right. if I go to the you know, Publix with my kids, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's expensive. Right. You know, they get, like, if, if I see it, it may not change the way I function, but, like, if I notice it, it's got to be hurting a lot of people. And they, they have mm -hmm. to see that. And eventually, sort of the, the promises that never seem to amount to anything, that never actually move the needle, that never actually change your situation, when do they say enough is enough? I actually think that's starting to happen right now. And, you know, you brought up your dad. He is like a catalyst for some of this. See, people don't really remember that before the, the political view of Donald Trump, Donald Trump was a cultural feature in hip-hop. Yeah, like you know, 150 rap songs. It was a big thing in hip-hop. Yeah. No, it was, it was a celebrated thing. Like, even now, um, I forgot which one I was in, and I walked into the Trump International somewhere, and I looked at my friend, and I said, man, I'm at the Trump International. Ask for me. That's a Jay-Z line from one of his songs. He was a part of that, of, of hip-hop culture for a long time. Yeah. And so I think that people see his success and that he doesn't shy away from it. And, they, and black men in particular embrace that. I think that with black men, we're also looking at the situation that we're dealing with Joe Biden's crazy economy. Man, their pockets are hurting. Yeah. Things are not working out. And so we remember, listen, when he was president, I was making money. Yeah. I was getting ahead in life. Can we have that again? Because I think that is the thing that black men are looking at politically. Especially well, when you look into the fact that Democrat policy hasn't worked for them. I, I think there's also, who I don't, I can't remember who the comedian was, uh, but a black comedian who was like, hey man, like, you got to stop this, like, uh, arresting Trump stuff. Like, you're giving him, <laughs> you're making him street. And yeah. it, it, it was sort of interesting to hear yeah. that. Like, cause, I mean, obviously, you know, Hollywood liberal sort of, you know, mindset. But, I mean, is there something to that? Because, I mean, yeah. obviously there's sort of been, you know, historically, I think it's different now. But doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just not as prevalent as the left would love you to believe it is, where it's, you know, racism is the cause of and solution for all of life's problems, right? It, right. It's different. Uh, but, you know, it, it seems 
like there is a component of that from a community that has been oftentimes throughout history sort of uh, treated unfairly or poorly by a justice system. Look, I mean, look, I'm going to be very clear with you on this one. I think that our justice system, is it the best in the world? Yes. But has it been fair to marginalized communities? No. Yeah. And a lot of that has started in prosecutors' offices in a lot of different jurisdictions around the country. Those are the mm -hmm. facts. It, ha like it, ha it has Harris. happened. Oh, yeah, like Kamala Harris. <laughs> but, it, but it's happened. Yeah. And so you would have a situation where, yeah, you have a prosecutor who would say, I'm not going to prosecute you, I'm not going to prosecute you, you're an easy conviction, I'm going to take yours. And then they would go through that process. Now you're seeing it in a political vein where, you, and here's what I think has really occurred. You had the crazy liberal view of we have to change the criminal justice system in order to bring equity. This is all the George Soros-funded mm -hmm. DAs. So their view of justice is to completely turn the system in, in a 180-degree flip. So now, now I'm going to target this guy, and I'm, a, I'm not going to prosecute this crime. When you bring that into the political realm, everybody sees that it's political. Everybody sees it's not fair. Everybody sees it's a two-tier system. And whether you like Republicans or don't like Republicans, you recognize just basic fairness. And I think that's what's driving the support for 45, mm -hmm. in part. Because people see, like, you just going after him for politics. That's BS. They don't want yeah, well, a country right, right. like that. I think that, yeah, that's 100% clear. But it was, so you mentioned perhaps specifically there was an impact with black men. Yeah. But what about the women? Uh, you know, what about well, the women when they're looking at what's going on to their kids yeah. in the inner cities, yeah. whether it's just rampant crime, whether it's murder, whether it's drugs, what's, what's going on? When do they say, hey, you know, maybe this isn't working either. Because, you know, that's there, such a, you, you know, I don't even want to stereotype it, but, you know, a fundamental part of that household. You obviously right. have a lot of, you know, sort of single mothers raising children. Right. When do they see that? Because it, it, you're right. It, it is pretty clear in the thing where that, that hasn't necessarily resonated as well with the women as it has with the men. No, it hasn't resonated as well. And I think that this is where, you know, the Democrats with their constant pushing, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, of black women is, is going to be a harder thing to overcome. But I think the, the key in, in that is this radical agenda around transgenderism. When you have Democrat policies that are pushing for puberty blockers who will tell a child, hey, if you want to change your gender, okay, we're just not going to tell your parents. Listen, I know my mom, <laughs> man, there's no way, there is no way PS 235 in Brooklyn, New York could have tried to help me change my gender around my mother's knowledge and been okay. She'd have beat everyone in that school she'd have, she'd, have, she'd, have, she'd have burnt the school to the ground. Yeah. Because I'm her son. You're not going to separate and put a wedge between me and my child. Mm -hmm. And I think that black women are very concerned about that. We're already seeing that in Islamic, uh, with Islamic uh, households yeah. in our country. They're furious about this. Uh, you see it with Colombians and Peruvians and Guatemalans, um, Puerto Ricans. I try to just say Hispanic because they're all, all the yeah, cultures Yeah, no, it's are all different. different. But like in but Florida, you have the, the guys most, are more because they're Cuban, yeah. Venezuela. They escaped yeah. some of this crap, yes. right? And so they're perhaps earlier adapters to more the conservative mindset because they've yeah. seen the alternative. But when uh, you drive a whip, and this is a key point, when Democrat policy in schools is to allow for a wedge between parent and child, that is the state, and now you're trying to talk about the very identity of the child yeah. and the ideology of the child and the parents aren't allowed to know, 
That's a major issue. I think Republicans, we should be talking about that significantly. Okay, well, can more. you get that message out? Because, you know, that's yeah, still, yeah. you know, where the mass populations are. It's going to be in those cities. They're, you know, the church leaders sort of on the DNC payroll. Maybe yeah. great, but he's on the payroll. He's on the team. Right. They're taking care of him. How do you how do you break that message out? I mean, you, you said an interesting thing when you talk about some of the, you know, the Muslim uh, communities sort of being aligned with the oh, conservatives. Yeah. I'm like, who did, you know, that was probably, at least according to the media, that would have been, you know, unlikely bedfellows. And yet you have sort of evangelical Christians protesting alongside, you know, mm -hmm. fairly religious, you know, Muslims uh, about this sort of things. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the left is, you know, again, if you don't buy into 100% of their stuff, you're out. And I think yeah. people are seeing that and hopefully fighting back. I think they are. And I think this is also indicative of that now you have Republicans, not just party apparatus, but elected members, engage in these culture wars. And now the media is trying to accuse us of starting culture wars. No, we're not. We're engaging in the culture wars we're that the left has the already started. We're playing the games that they've been doing. We're, like, we yes. just, rather than playing t-ball while they're playing hardball, we're yes. actually just playing the same game. And I don't care if you're playing t-ball or hardball, but you play gotta be the, playing the same game. Play the same game. And now we're engaged in that game. And now you're starting to see those divides in some of these, these ethnic demographics that historically would have just been almost universally Democrat, now saying, wait a minute, yeah. I don't agree with that either. Maybe I should listen to these guys over here. And I think it's, being, it's very effective for us. Well, I, and I've seen that. I mean, I remember in the last week or two, you know, numerous articles have been written about the rise of Hindu white supremacy, uh, Latino, wait, wait, white, yes, Latino white supremacy, yeah. uh, and how, I'm like, wait a second, like, so the white supremacy thing is this big thing that it, you're actually, it's being seemingly dominated by people who aren't actually white. I mean, I'm sure you've been called all sorts of things, and they've attacked you yeah. for that because you're a conservative, uh, and... You know, it, it's an interesting attack. Have you seen those articles? It's like I'll, I haven't I'll, I'll seen flash them up on here. I haven't seen those, because but I gotta see. I gotta read that. I, I did a post about it. The other, like it's it's a lunacy. Yes. Uh, it, it was a Asian white supremacy because they they were aligned with you know there were some of the people that started the battle against some of the affirmative action because right. kids that were overperforming were being discriminated against to bat, and it's like well that's white supremacy too even if it even if they're Asian and not white and it doesn't seem to matter I guess if you're going against that Democrat apparatus they'll call you whatever it is. Look, the Democrats have been weaponizing race in our country for a long time. And at the end of the day, it is, in my view, the number one uh, hold that they push. And look, you can see it like clockwork. You know, you notice there haven't been really a lot of stories about race the last two years. Wait until next year. Oh, you know, they're going to fire back up They're going to start firing it up again. They're yeah. gonna, we're going to go back through this thing again. And my hope is, and it, it, my hope is that voters will listen to it. And I think this is the power, and let's be very clear, people like myself, like Anna Polina, like like Wesley Hunt. Wesley well, well, was on the show. Like, yeah, yeah. You guys, I mean, you guys are actually making an impact. Cause you're a young, you're a new, but you're also not ascribing to the. You you sit in line and wait. In 15 years, you can start voicing your opinion when you have some seniority, Byron. Oh no, I'm not doing. Yeah, that. no, you, you're out there. I don't have on the front lines. Yeah. To me, that doesn't make it. I didn't come. I didn't. I didn't run for office to wait in line. I came to be to do effective things for the country. And actually, what I told my district was, I'm going to push. The, the vision and the policies and the idea of conservatism. And I'm pushing it everywhere. I'm gonna take it to all corners of the country because we gotta have that in order to be successful. Well, you're doing that well. I mean, you're, you're playing what, you know, for use the sports analogy, the away game. I mean, 
You'll go oh, on yeah. CNN. Oh, yeah. You'll go, you know, and there's plenty, and I, and I get it. In 16, I used to do that, too. Now, it's not even for me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Will they let you yeah, in the door they, now? They won't even let me on okay, Fox okay. anymore, so it's, you know, <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Like, I can't, I can't go anywhere. That's why I do this, because I was oh, like, oh, man. you know, I'm apparently too good. But, you know, you are going into the lion's den. Yeah. And fighting back there, and I think that's important, especially you know with with your background and where you come from, you know as much as they're you know they'll have, you know an old white dude uh, talk to you about, uh, you know I mean it's it's insane, but I guess when you're on their side and you control that kind of power and you control the narrative and you control the mainstream media and you control big tech, it doesn't matter. They can get away with that. I mean you can be lectured about uh, race uh, by an old white dude, but. You can't fight back, but you are, and, and you're doing it, and you're doing it effectively. I enjoy it, and I, I think, you know, I, I look at it like sports. Like, there's nothing better than, than shutting up the, the yeah. home team when you're in their building. Yeah. Because you just, you know, you just you knock down three shots in a row, and they got to quiet down because they feel like they're going to lose the game. I think, not, I think being willing to go into those studios, knowing that you're going to get the pushback, and just going and trying to make key points is critical. Some of my colleagues, you know, they asked me about it. They're like, man, how is it going on there? I said, listen, as long as you go in there, you did your homework, and you have the courage yeah. of your convictions, go do it. They need to hear it. The producers, by the way, they actually like it because they're like, oh, shoot, ratings are going yeah, up. Yeah, ratings is interesting. are good. Like, you, you need that. It but you got you to gotta engage. And I think, I think the one thing where Republicans have not been successful is we were terrible at messaging, awful at it. Yes. And we wouldn't take messages other places. We would say, we don't have to worry about that vote. We can't, we can't go and capture that person. No, I want every vote. Mm -hmm. I want every vote. I want every American to hear what I believe and what our party believes in and, and, make, a, and make a real decision. If you still decide to follow Democrat policy, you're an American. Do what you do. I don't agree. God bless you. Live your life. I think the results speak for themselves. But, but, but I want but you, hey, to, I want but, you but to make a decision. That's your right. That's your right. It, but it doesn't seem like the Democrats believe that anymore. No, they don't believe that. Right? They so want I you mean, to bend the knee. You know, everything is systemic racism. That's, you know, that's where everything comes from. You know, what are your thoughts on that? How do you, how do you, how do you get through that, right? It's, mm. it's dominated in academia. I saw that having kids, you know, in New York City before yeah. we moved to Florida. It's like yeah. everything, just day in and day You know, how do you get back someone who's been programmed to think that way from, you know, leftists for the first 20 years of their lives? Well, I think the first thing is you got to acknowledge some certain realities. Was there systemic racism in the country? Yes. Of course. Jim Crow eras is indicative of that in so many other eras. But what's the solution? Is the solution now to say that I got to hold everybody else back in order for me to get ahead? No, all that is going to do is breed envy and breed division. Oh, I think you're creating a whole problem. You know, like you're going to create another problem, yeah. try to replace the former one. And I think that's where people who go down this, this woke uh, critical race theory uh, vision of America are getting it wrong. If you want a young black kid to get ahead in this country, the number one thing you got to do is open up his opportunities, but you can't open up his opportunities and limit other people because that's not going to help, help him get ahead. You don't get better as an athlete with everybody else still sitting on the bench and you're the only one on the field. Yeah. You get better in competition, in activity. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. So in our country, you gotta have a system where obviously access is open, people have an opportunity to step into that space, and then the animal spirits of just human nature and human ability, human intellect, human innovation, that stuff takes over. That's the pathway for a success in the future of our country, not limiting other people because of the sins of the past. Okay, but get you, so you've been named, I guess, the chairman of the Black Conservative Federation. Yeah. And 
So, so how do you get that message out there, right? You, you have sort of what you're saying, which I agree with. It mm -hmm. seems actually logical, which is contrary to everything else that we see out there on a daily basis. But, you know, you have, you know, a, two weeks ago you had, uh, you know, the striking down of the affirmative action at the Supreme Court. And you had, you know, Joy Reid losing her mind on, you know, MSDNC or wherever she is. You know, I got into Harvard and I would have never gotten into Harvard if it weren't for, you know, my academics weren't. I mean, I'm like, but aren't you just sort of proving the point? Meaning you didn't belong there. You got there only because of this system. It was essentially reverse racism, I guess, right? I mean, so, but how do you, it's a hard message to sell, right? Because some people, especially in a society like today, where I think I see it with kids, you know, we're much more of an instant gratification society today than we were. So it's like, well, if I can skip that, this is going to work against me. I'm, not, I'm never going to be for something where I could get sort of the, the, the upper hand or that free upper hand. How do you combat that? I think the way I look at it is, is that the, the, the stain of racism in America is not something you can get rid of. Yeah. It is what it is. It's a part of our fabric. It's a terrible part of our fabric, but it's there. The question really is, are we 2023 America or 1923 America? Yeah. <laughs> we're not 1923 America, let's be very clear. Yeah. We're not. We're not even 1983 America. Well, and as far as the world goes, I'd also say we're, we're probably overperforming because this is not an issue that's yes. exclusive to America. Yes. I mean, this is a, a thing all over the world. I mean, ask, you know, how do oh, the yeah. Chinese feel about the Japanese? How do, you know... How do the Chinese feel about the Uyghurs? Yeah. There is, oh yes, this, <laughs> this is happening We're awfully quiet on around, that one. I mean, well, you know, if the, you persecuted Muslims like that in America, people would be in jail, rightfully 100%. so, and people... And yet, our corporate America is really silent about that. They'd be protesting, you know, the rise of, you know, black, white supremacy. It's like, uh -huh. reminds me of the Chappelle skit. You know what well, I mean? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> that was a good skit. How much time you got? But listen, yeah, yeah. man, but time, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Corporate America will put them to a side. We got to come back and talk about them. Yeah. But I think if you're talking about the trajectory of race in our country, we get better every generation. Yeah. Every generation we get better. You know, I think like, and I'm a, my story personally, or not even my story. Right now we have four black members of Congress on the Republican side of the aisle. Mm -hmm. That hasn't happened since Reconstruction. Yeah. That happens since Reconstruction. And you and have you have leaders in you all. You guys like you, yeah. Wesley, certainly like, like quite vocal. Yes. And like, and totally embraced. Yes. Uh, you know, frankly, much more so than some on the other side, where it's, you just almost feel like, okay, well, it's a checkbox, and you know, it, I think Wesley's crushing. I mean, he's, he's a funny guy, man. He's doing a great job. Like, uh, don't, tell, don't tell Wesley. He's yeah. funny. Oh, he's, Wesley he's and I are friends. Funny, he's, not like, funny. We're, 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 he's pretty I, good. I was like, I almost he's wish when, when he did the show, I almost wish like we got like the backstory of him and I joking around. Like, I'd have probably been thrown in jail for like whatever. But like, but that's the difference. Like, that's yeah. why. I feel like we have gone so far because if, yeah. if he, with his background, and me with ba my background, and frankly everything that they call me, can have that kind of conversation, like that's where we need to be. Like I think we're in a, I think we're actually in a really good spot in our country, Joe Biden notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, culturally, I think we're we're in a better spot than I think people realize. And the only thing that's really hurting us is is media, big media, mm -hmm. and these narratives that somehow a black man or a black woman can't get ahead today. I think that's that's just wrong and it's a fallacy. Well, okay, so they keep saying it. But there's no evidence. They just say it. No, of course it. not. But there's no evidence but, to that. But what does that say? I mean, what should that say to your son or daughter if they were watching that? Yeah. I mean, they're literally out there. Like, well, how, how are they possibly, you know, you can't, I mean, Byron, you couldn't possibly get a driver's license to vote. I mean, like, it's not capable of that. But I, I mean, think, it's it's insane because it's, it's so insulting. Right. And yet, it's like, 
they're, they're saying like it's just common vernacular. It's fine. What do you mean? I can. They do it every day. Every week, there's a new example of them essentially spitting into the face of you know some minority group as to their competence to do basic shit that basically anyone in America could do. I don't even let my sons worry about that. I want my sons to take their cues from me, and I think this is the power of families. Mm -hmm. And this is actually the power of, of you know father figures and, and all of that, and, and strong mothers. Mm -hmm. My mother in, in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s in New York, she didn't want me to think less. Mm -hmm. She always challenged me and pushed me. It didn't matter what media was saying. She challenged me to be my best self. I was, you know, my sons and I, we spent some time together last, last week, not last week, the week before. Mm -hmm. And I told my, old, my older two sons, I'm like, you guys are better than me. You know, they're, they're 15 mm -hmm. and 19 years old. I'm like, you guys are better than your father. Oh, you 15 started young, 19. man. Yeah. And I just want them to continue to be their best version of themselves. And don't let anybody tell them otherwise. Right. And the last thing I always tell them, like, son, if you want something, you have to go work for it. Nobody's going to give it to you. Yeah. If you think somebody's going to give you something, then you're going to be a bum. Yeah. And I'm not raising you to be a bum. I'm raising you to be a man. It's funny. Listen, I, I, again, I hypercritically aware of where I come from, but my dad was kind of the same way, right? I worked my first job was like ninth grade, working at a, a marina as a dock attendant, doing this stuff. I did that for two summers, and it's like I got another job working in landscaping. The marina job was minimum wage plus tips, right. but you could make the tips. Right. Then I got into landscaping, and I'm like, wait a minute, like I'm making minimum wage. I'm not making any tips. About three quarters of the way through the summer, I go to my dad. I'm like. Well, how come I'm not getting more money? I'm working much harder. There's not, you know, chicks around. I'm not, like, you know, getting invited <laughs> on boats after work and stuff like that. This yeah. sucks. Like, why didn't I get more money? It's like, well, you didn't ask me. Like, why would I give you more than you're willing to work for? And it was like, oh, shit. Like, it, it, it's not that you got to go out there and get it yourself. And, like, again, I understand how blessed I've been and fortunate I've been. And can't, I don't, I don't want to even compare that to anything else. But there was still that understanding. And my mom was that same sort of... Eastern European, like, hey, I escaped communism, get your shit together. And, right. you know, it, there's a toughness there that unfortunately doesn't seem to exist too often here in America where everyone's helicoptering and everyone's so soft mm. and everyone's trying to coddle everything for feelings as opposed to reality. And, you know, oh, it, it's because we're not requiring it. And this, and this yeah. is the key thing. Listen, my mother, interesting. Jamaican, tough lady, she wasn't really concerned about my feelings. She wanted execution. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My mom was the disciplinarian. She beat yeah. my ass. And, you know, yeah, and, and, that's true. I agree. And I needed it. I agree. And, I mean, so for me, like with my sons, I, I care about your feelings, but no, no. I need execution. Yeah. You have to uh, get the thing done. You have to accomplish the mission. You have to accomplish the goal. I told my son, one of my sons, my 15-year-old son, he was, he was mad about something. And I go, son, don't nobody care about your feelings? And I don't care about your feelings right now. I want you to succeed. Guess what? When you leave my house, the world is not going to care about your feelings. Yeah. They're going to want to know, did you do it or not? Did you show up or not? Did you execute or not? Did you win or not? That's the world. Your feelings come third. The only people who care about your feelings are your family. And nobody, nobody else cares. Yeah. So go out and win and go and execute. We don't require that of our children. We're not demanding it of them. It's one of the things that's happening in school culture where now they're, they're so consumed, it's this, this social-emotional learning, they're consumed about the emotional makeup of the child, they're not demanding excellence of the child. And then when the child yeah. comes into the working world, now it's a problem. No, it, it, and it's a tough thing, because I, like, I, I learned, I felt you know, so much more in life from you know, getting my ass kicked, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I went to boarding school, but like, when I went there as an eighth grader with a loud mouth from New York City, like, I got my ass kicked, and it, it was actually, 
like I learned much more from that, <laughs> right? You're not allowed to say that these days, right? Because that's like, oh, you were bullied. And I, I understand there's a point where that's too far. Yeah. And I understand that that's, but like, I also understand that for me, like sometimes you needed that to actually drive a point. Now I'll get in a lot of trouble for saying it, but you know, I, I feel like without any adversity, uh, you know, with, with everything having a cushion, with, uh, there's always a fucking excuse. Right, for, have like, excuses in life. Th that's, I think, the point. But, but, but that's not where we are today as a society. And I think we're, we're certainly not there in our education system. So how do you break through? I think that's coming back through uh, families starting to really take, a, take stock of where we are as a country yeah. and looking at their kids and their grandkids and saying, man, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I got to take your phone. You got to mm -hmm. earn your phone. You just don't get your phone. Yeah. There's things you have to do in order to excel. And making those demands, I think that's. I think some of that is coming back in schools because I think we've seen the the fallacy of of trying to coddle everybody and be concerned about everybody's feelings as opposed to demanding it. And I think what's happening in, in on sports fields, I think the kids who are going to really like dominate our country are going to be kids who play competitive sports. Yeah, because, because they're accustomed to having a well, grind. Well, it's a meritocracy, right? It's, it's like, all merit. You know, hey, I'd love to play in the NBA, but like. <laughs> it, it ain't gonna happen, right? right. Like you gotta, you gotta sort of earn that. So it's sort of interesting when I see. Right. I mean, maybe the NBA is the right example, right? Where it's like politically, they're almost saying the opposite, and yet there's no chance I'd ever play in the NBA. But then right. outside of that, it's like, no, well, everyone's the same, and everyone's gonna get it. You know, it's like, well, that's not the case. Everyone has that chance. They, everyone's created equal, but then. Things start separating, right? Things start separating. Things by start work separating ethic. Based, on, based on work ethic, based yeah. on talent, based on ability, but yeah. you know, based on luck. Uh, so, yeah, so how do you how do you overcome that though in society? You, you, we, we talked about corporate America. Uh, oh you, yeah, you we see come back to that. Sort of what, what's your thoughts on what's going on there? Because that that too seems to be an attack on the family. Yeah. Uh, the uh, attack on every everything these days. They, they, they don't even hide it anymore. Even with the the pushing of the stuff that would break up families or the pushing of the nonsense and the trans thing these days that's, you know, seems to me like that's almost the ultimate form of privilege these days. You know, if you're like trans, like, it's like you, you're un untouchable. You can just do whatever you want, at least based on, you know, those notions from corporate America or from, you know, wherever it may be. You know, what do you think's going on there? Oh, I'll tell you what's going on. You have activist shareholders that are being put forward by left-leaning groups. They are. Uh, you have some of the employees who now are bringing their politics into the company. And then you have, like, the corporate manager, the, the CEO or whatever. He, they're in a, between a rock and a hard place. They might have that political view, but they're trying to run the company. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have these shareholders who are bringing these crazy shareholder positions that are being voted up. By the by, the shareholders, mostly because the advisory firms, the Black Rocks, the Vanguards, are just saying, "Yeah, we'll support that," and they voted through. But what's in it for them? What does it actually accomplish? Meaning, their shareholders, and maybe their activism overrides yeah. their capitalism, yeah. where, where they just believe that you know there's nine thousand four hundred seventy-six genders, and we'll lose money to accomplish that, right? No, I think ESG, that's exactly the point. It may, and maybe it is, right? Because, that's exactly but like, the point. You know, when you look at these boards, you see the decisions they're making. You got to wonder when the other shareholders start suing them because they're not acting as fiduciaries, because you know ESG is not proven to be an effective methodology no. for investing your retirement fund. No, it's not. And yet it dominates. Uh, the you know you, you see the the boycotts. I think you know have been effective in dropping you know, billions of dollars of market cap, but like they're still doubling down. They're still. You know, mm -hmm. you, corporate America. Oh well, you know those guys lost ten billion dollars. Like we're going to go all in with the same thing. It's like. 
what is going on? Well, I think, and the reason what you're starting to see now is more companies are staying private. They don't want to go public because they don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Because if you if you created a company or you run a company, you don't want to have to deal with all of this silly stuff coming in from these activist shareholders. You just want to run your company. Um, in Congress, we're trying to create some rules to try to tamp this down and kind of get things focused back on business being the main thing. Right. But one of the biggest are you things, doing that in oversight? No, uh, financial services. The financial services. Okay. Financial services. Okay. Financial services. We're looking at that. Um, but one of the big things that's occurred politically and culturally in our country is our economy is so dynamic. It's so good that you got time to argue about all this other stuff, yeah. as opposed to keeping the main thing the main thing. Yeah. And if we stay focused on business and our economy growing and thriving. You can have these conversations, but the company cannot become the vehicle for pushing this stuff. And the left has now used the agencies of our federal government and are, they're using the corporations in our economy to drive their agenda that they can never get voted on by Congress, that they can never win an election on. They're pushing that through finance and they're pushing it through culture. They're pushing it obviously through entertainment yeah. and they're trying to push it through government and they're trying to have their way in all these areas. But that's why you can't just have the old tried and true Republican mantra of less taxes, less government, more yeah. freedom. You got to engage in all these sectors. So how are you doing that? I think it's, I think how we're doing is a couple of things. One, we're bringing it to light. Two, in financial services, some of the stuff on proxy advisor reform is really, really important. Three, we're going to have to clean house in these agencies. And I mean, at the, politi at the political yeah. branch levels, we got to clean house. Four, we got to have some from reforms around employees in the federal level. And then five, and this is where we started, not being afraid to go into the big media shows and tell them that mm -hmm. they're wrong, having alternative sources, expressing those viewpoints, having rallies, having meetings, having coffees. I just told a lady on the convention floor, our country only survives with the activism of the American people, not the passiveness of the yeah. American people. People got to be active. The and that's what we've done badly right. as conservatives. Yeah, we live and let live. We turn the other cheek, and the other side's like, I'll take the win. Not I'll anymore. take the win. We'll, and that's changing. That is changing. I agree. Yes, that's changing. Like Bud Light, <laughs> goodbye. Target, what's happening to them? Yes. You got to deal with that too. Um, and even when they tried to go after Chick-fil-A years ago, and what ended up happening, you had Christians, you had Americans come out, and they bought more Chick-fil-A. You know, I probably had too much Chick-fil-A at the time, but those, those waffle fries, <laughs> man. They get you in trouble. Waffle fries are good. But when, you, when people support companies just doing their job, and when they decide not to do business with a company that actively is going after them in their way of life, that's fine. If, the le if it was good enough for the left, it's good enough for us. Yeah. And to your point, if we're going to play T-ball, then we should play t-ball. If they're going to play hardball, we, we got to play, play hardball. When you go back to your district around Naples, for I guess you know Southwest yeah. Florida, yeah. what what are the issues that stand out to the people there? Right, you have sort of national issues, but what are the, what are the things that concerns them the most going forward? Oh, number one is water policy, yeah. because um, you know we sit we're sitting right on the edge of the Everglades system. Yeah. Um, blue green algae is a big thing. So we, what we're doing is making sure that we get the necessary projects done. Um, to clean up our water systems because we now we have what 20 million people living south of I-4 yeah, in, in Florida and we're gonna have more people coming in mm -hmm. so what we want to be able to do is have that water system be cleaned out that's like the big issue at home but other yeah. than that a lot of my voters they just want to be left alone they just want the country to work yeah leave me alone I've, I've, I've done well in my life I'm building my family if I'm young and I'm working like I was or they retire there they just want competent government they just want clean streets, which they have, safe in community, which they have, and a government that works. So when will the people that don't have those things start really wanting them? Because it, it seems like if you look at 
you know, all these Democrat-controlled cities that are supposed right. to be these great utopian places, they're anything but, and yet it continues to happen. And they replace one disastrous mayor with someone who's worse, and it continues. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's a perpetual cycle. Uh, you know, in, in an adverse way that never seems to be remedied, and yet nothing ever changes. Well, I think this is one of the reasons why, I, as a Republican, I was always pissed with Repo with the party, and pissed with consultants because they would ignore these communities because they didn't feel that they can win votes there in a meaningful way, or that's a waste of money. Let's not campaign yeah. in those areas. So when you don't have local elected officials with the right policy set get elected, these cities, you know, you have, when you have Democrat control, 30, 40, 50 years. What you end up with is a current Chicago, which is not safe at all, and businesses are fleeing. Conversely, Florida is the test case. When you have consistent Republican-slash-conservative policy for a generation, you get Florida. And that's what we have. If you don't do it, if you go the opposite way, you get California, and everybody's leaving. But as, from a political standpoint, you can't abandon these areas. Yeah. And we have done that. So even if you have a Republican candidate, good candidate, you know, going to fight hard, going to do the right thing, um, going to really get into the fight, not going to just say it on TV and then go home and, and, mm -hmm. and, and have a scotch or something do like that. Do the opposite or do nothing. Or do nothing. It's hard to get them elected now because the entire trajectory of politics in those areas is one way. We got to start going into those communities and fighting for those communities. And it can't just be a thing of, oh, well, we can't win there, so we're going to turn the blind eye. So how, do, how do we do that? I think the first thing you do is, and me and my friends, we talk about this a lot. You start going into black churches and into Hispanic churches in these communities because they're there. Okay. And you just sit down and just talk to them. And not come in there saying, let me introduce you, let me tell yeah, you who I what? am. I just want to listen to you. What's going on in your world? You start building those relationships. You start organizing on small levels. I mean, that's what, that's what the left is trying to do to us in Texas. Small organizations slowly building them up until they get critical mass and then they move somebody into elective space. We got to do that and bring that information. And then you start building it very, very slowly. You start electing people to school boards. Elect somebody on a city council oh, I think slot. the school board stuff's more important probably than anything. Begins. And that's how it begins. Yeah. So, you know, in talking about it, I think you're right. We've started doing some of that. Yeah. There seems to be, you know, at least to me, you know, more of an early adaption from the Hispanic community. And again, I don't mean to generalize that yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. sort of all over it's, the place. But, but you see that over the African-American community. Yes. Uh, why, why do you think that is? I think because the, the weaponization of race in our politics has been specifically targeted to black Americans. To, to, get, to have them feel that they cannot support Republicans because Republicans want to hold them back. I mean, it is, it is the biggest lie in politics. And they still far. go out there and just tell it. And I guess they tell it. They people tell that it, just aren't into they it, tell right? it every not, four years. They believe it and they just vote accordingly? Well, most people, and listen, most people are not political animals. Yeah. I always, I said it like this, like, I'm not a car guy. My biggest thing is what color is it? Does it drive fast? You know, does it have peanut interior? I like that. That's cool. Let's roll. Where do I put the gas in and who do I take it to to get it fixed? If you pop the hood and try to show me what a carburetor, where the spark plugs are, do they even use spark plugs? I don't know. I'm yeah. not a car guy. Yeah. For a lot of Americans, they're not political guys. Yeah. They don't know the ins and outs. It's not because they're not intelligent and they're not, they can't process it. It's not their thing. Yeah, well, they're busy trying they're to busy. feed their they're families. They're, you know, yeah, exactly. So as a Republican, if I'm trying to get you who typically have gone the other way, I want you to see my kind of way, I got to be appealing. I can't be boring. I gotta be appealing, I gotta be outgoing, I gotta be interesting, I gotta know policy, but I also gotta know life. Mm -hmm. I gotta be able to engage in all of that. And, I th and, and listen, to be, to be clear, this started with your, with your dad. Yeah. 
because of his, his the most electrifying man in politics, to take a, a phrase from The Rock. But <laughs> when you brought that energy into politics, what it showed a lot of other people is, oh man, you know what? I can bring a similar level of, ele- of energy. You can't replicate it and don't even try because that's not successful. But bring your own energy and be who you are. I get stopped more by black guys in airports and sometimes on the street. And they'll say to me, they'll be like, hey, you, you, you Byron Donalds? I'm like, yeah. Hey man, I saw this video of you and I really liked that. I really agreed with it. But you gotta bring that energy. Yeah. And you have, you have to be um, undaunting and unafraid to step into these battles. And I think as, the more we do that, unafraid the more you're gonna is the see right, that. That's the word I use Can't always on this show. Because right. you know, again, there's a consequence to being a conservative, right? Yeah. You, you will be branded a racist. Even if you're not talking about race, it doesn't matter. Like They'll yeah. call me a racist for asking you the questions that we're talking about today. Like. It's just, yeah. and I unfortunately I think that does actually a major disservice because I agree with you. I think you know whether it's you know foundationally in our country there's, there's problems. I think there are still some. It's just not everything. No. And I think what the left has done is actually by you know every time you know sort of the easy button of the radical left to just call you a racist, mm-hmm. they've actually diminished the the instance of actual racism because now when people hear it they're like, eh, roll your eyes, move on. You know, it yeah. used to be the worst thing you could possibly be called, but once they've called everyone that they disagree with the same thing, you know, one of it my sort of favorite, leaves people in the dust. You know one of my favorite guys, and we still have not met, and it's just crazy and it's busy, is Mark Robinson in North Carolina. Yeah, oh, he, dude. This he, guy. He, Mark. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I love Mark, and I've spent some time with him. He just, he's, he's a wild man. Just, I, Listen. And I love it in a great way because he, like, there's like zero Fs given. You know what I mean? He just he says what needs to be said. He's, right. I, it, it's amazing, and he does it, to your point, in an electrifying way, you know, there's there may only be one Trump, but you can you can bring a different energy and and get that attention and garner that thing and, and highlight an issue. Look, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. I love pro wrestling. <laughs> I love the showmanship. I, lo- He'd I love. He'd be awesome that. on that. Yeah. I love it. It's it's great. There is one Hulk Hogan. Yeah, but there was still room for Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. There was still room for John Cena, The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, and all these guys. It's about your ability to engage with people. I think the, the, the toughest part of politics, and not even in congressional or local, when you start talking about governor, presidential level politics, eh, we're all raising money. Yeah. Do you come across on a TV screen? Do people look at you and they, and they get captured by you? Can that translate into mul- multiple communities? That's the real power in, in, in presidential level yeah. politics, gubernatorial level politics right now. And I think the fact, and this kind of goes back to where we started with media outlets, yeah. the small clips, the people on Twitter, the Twitter guys, Instagram, and all these different modes of, of information yeah. sharing. They're moving a needle much more. It's moving that needle. It's, it's one of the reasons why the big papers can't even sell papers yeah. anymore. Well, you, you endorsed Trump back in a, a, yeah. April. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, is that, I assume that's a component of it because he has some of that ability. Oh, he's got the. It, it's oh. no question. Like, <laughs> yeah. To me, it, modern politics, um, and you know, the left will go crazy. But there are two real standard bearers in modern politics, and it's Trump and Obama. Mm-hmm. They're the. They're, they set the standard of what it is to bring a level of charisma and connect connection and energy and electricity into what was normally just a boring old fuddy-duddy, let me tell you about my 10-point plan on trade policy, Jim, and yeah. eh, okay, whatever. I think that endorsing him is, is for multiple reasons. One, on the world stage, we need a guy who can walk into the room with, with our adversaries and be like, all right, look, enough. You're done. That was cute. 
We're not doing that anymore. That's a big thing for us, for, for, for America on multiple levels. Number two, we need somebody who has been there, they've done this job, and they know, and they're mission-focused on cleaning out this bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. And I think with, the, with all that they've done to him, he's going to be mission-focused on cleaning yeah. out but this they're bureaucracy. Like, well, Trump, his pitch seems to be to get revenge on the government. I'm like, I don't know, that's good uh, enough for me. Good. <laughs> like, I'm fine with this. How about if, good? If that's all, that's plenty. Sign me There's up. There's more, but that's, that's great. And it's not revenge, but I, I said it, I've been saying it here or there. We're the ones who are really fighting for the soul of America and yeah. fighting for American democracy. Because you can't have institutions weaponized against their people. It's not gonna go well for our country. And it, it might be cool for you to maintain power, yeah. but there's going to be a response to that. And we gotta clean it up, we gotta clean it up now, we don't have time to waste. I think he's the man to do it. He's going to be our nominee. We are going to beat Joe Biden, because, I mean, just good gosh, the man is terrible. I, <laughs> but we're going yeah. to beat him. 100%. That's well, it. Byron, I know you're speaking at Turning Point. I look forward to checking that out. Thanks for doing this, and uh, really look forward to having you back and really seeing the other things that you're doing, because I think you've been an amazing voice and unafraid voice in Congress, and I think we need a lot more of that. So thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. It's because of people like you that we're able to do this. So like, share, subscribe. It doesn't take any time. Just hit the little button. Do it right now. I'm watching you. I'm going to watch the likes move. Uh, but that's how we take on these people. That's how we get the message out. So it's important. And we also want you out there supporting the companies who have the guts to support uh, programming like this and a show like this. Go to DonJuniorGold.com to learn about adding precious metals to your portfolio, to get out of some of the woke ESG bullshit that perhaps your bankers have been forcing you into. Go to DonJuniorGold.com. Let the folks at Gold Co. walk you through step-by-step how to do that, how to hedge against the inflation, how to use precious metals to do that. It's not a sell. It's about learning how to do it and making a decision for yourself. And don't forget to check out the folks at My Patriot Supply so you can be prepared on the other side uh, of the disaster. As you know, our world can change at a moment's notice. And as I keep saying, the signs of an economic collapse are staring us right in the face. So guys, do yourself a favor and grab your 25% discount on each three-month emergency food kit you need. It includes delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and more, providing over 2,000 calories every day. Get at least one kit per person in your family. Grab your 25% discount today before this offer expires, and you get fast and free shipping too. So go to preparewithdonjr.com today or you may regret it tomorrow. That's P-R-E-P-A-R-E -E with D-O-N-J-R dot com and check it out. You guys are the best. Thanks for everything. Uh, I'll see you shortly and you hope, uh, hope you guys have a great evening.